Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, Coastline Knights, you good? Okay. It wasn't great, but that's okay. I still love you. We are walking through a series called Family Vibes. It's all the different pillars of our church. It's what makes up Coastline, who we are. Um, and so our four pillars at this church are to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And I'm sure you've probably heard us talk about that before. And so tonight's kind of the, f- the second last night of, of this series. And this, this concept of making a difference is, it's, it's important. And I want us to be people, I want us to be a church, I said it this morning, that makes a difference in our world. In fact, if you've ever been around church, if you grew up in church, you'll hear words like this, to make a difference, to serve your community, to use your gifts, to evangelize, outreach, missions, all those things kind of have the same tone, the same connotation of like outward focus, right? This love that I have received this grace from Jesus, this salvation, I now want to give and show the world. And maybe you've walked into a church and they're on their wall, it's like to know God and to make him known, right? To find Jesus and to make him famous. Like it's often we go from John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. We go from that and we rush really quickly to Matthew 28 which is going to all the nation, nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we go from salvation to like street evangelism as fast as we possibly can, from one to the other. And I'm here to say, that's great, but there's also something in the middle that's very important. It's a lot of what Andy was talking about last week, and it's, I want to further touch on it tonight. Like We rush from one thing to the next, but there is this beautiful process that happens in the middle. There's this very important piece that I don't want us to forget or to stop thinking about. To be someone who makes a difference, because that's what we want to be. We want to be someone who makes a difference. To be someone who makes a difference, we also need to be someone who is daily, daily coming to the Lord to be made different. Hear me, please. This is important. To be someone who makes a difference, we have to be someone who is daily being made different. Because we can't just go and do, we also have to come to the Lord and ask him to do a good work in us. We have a responsibility to our own personal faith, the daily office, if you will, to grow and sustain a loving relationship with Jesus. And I think sometimes we rush to wanting to make a difference, and I want us to. I want us to make a difference. But before we get there, there's this very important piece of being made different, of daily coming to the Lord and saying, hey, would you do a good work in me so that I can do a good work for others? Not just how can I be out there, but also, Lord, right here. This is the first work of of difference making that needs to happen. Are you hearing me tonight? That it needs to start right here in this soul, in this person, before I go do and help and say and be, do anything else. And maybe I'm being too harsh with 
you know, this needs to happen before this. I think these things can happen together. I think they can happen in one beautiful journey with the Lord. Paul kind of writes it like this. In chapter one and chapter two of Colossians, which we've been walking through, he talks about knowing the Lord. He talks about kind of finding freedom. He talks, even we heard from Adam a couple weeks ago about a guy named Epaphras who just knew his gifting and served the Lord and discovered his purpose. We, we see all these things in the first three chapters. But then you get to, or first two, excuse me, but you get to chapter three. And this is interesting. Before Paul talks in chapter four in this book, in this letter, where he talks about making a difference and, and, and bringing the gospel to the doors that are open, before he gets to the impact place where you are, like, we're being action for the Lord, if you will, he briefly pauses and gives this chapter in chapter three where he talks and kind of recaps everything he's already said. He has like, he calls like a family meeting, literally. He has this like family meeting and he's like, listen, before we get to being a difference maker, I want to talk about you for a second. I want to recap and make sure that you clearly understand what we have just said in the first two chapters of this letter. Have you, do you remember family meetings? Remember dad, grandma, grandpa, even older brother or older sister, like family meetings happen. They happened a lot in our house. It was always like whenever we were going somewhere nice. And I'd get that conversation of Lucas, you don't touch anything, you don't say anything. Anyone else ever get that? I used to think like, that's so mean, like let me be me. And now every time we go somewhere nice, I'm like, Bo, please don't touch anything. No, he can say whatever he wants, but I do ask him to put his hands in his pockets because he will touch everything, literally. Like family meetings are a good thing. I remember my brother, when my first day going to high school in, in Kelowna, it was grade eight through 12. And my first day going to high school, I remember getting dressed up thinking like, I need to not look too cool, obviously, I don't wanna like, you know, come in there looking like a stud, I need to like just play, you know, downplay this a bit. I, I, I seriously, I remember this, getting dressed in the mirror and I just wore sweatpants and a shirt. And Nick, <laughs> after that day happened, went to school, came back and he looked at me, he's like, we need to have a meeting right now. He's like, you will never wear sweatpants to high school again. Don't ever, and listen, I know fashion changes, no judgment for wearing sweatpants here tonight, it's all good. But back then Nick was like, you wear jeans at the bare minimum, don't ever do that again. You're not allowed to wear sweatpants in grade eight. You embarrass me. Like he went full Dominic Toretto on me, like don't do that to me, man. Like I was like, okay, whatever you want. For like a year, my brother picked out my outfits. I'm not kidding. I was like, is this, we're good? Okay, we're good. And I would walk out like an idiot. Like family meeting, he brought me together. We would do this. Listen, this is Paul coming together being like, I need you to know how important this is. Because I'm a little concerned, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to move forward and we're going to progress into our relationship with the Lord and we're going to start serving this community. But before we do that, you have to know these things and it really matters. Before I tell you how to serve, I want you to know the place that you serve out of. And that's really, really important. Before we be, can be a difference to others, I want you to continue to be made different in your own heart. So Colossians 3 verse 1, Paul writes this. Since then, again, recapping the last two chapters. So like I just said, he's saying, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is, set, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Who, excuse me, when, when Christ, who is your life, appears, he says, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, Paul's letters, there's a lot of theology here, and we just don't have the time to break it all down. So I'm not going to get into the weeds tonight. 
He says, since you no longer live in sin, since you no longer, like, you no longer live in your past life, you've been made new, set your mind, set your heart on what? Things above. Not earthly things, but on heavenly things, on things above. This Greek word to set or to seek above is this phroneo. It's a really interesting word and it's hard to translate into English. It's this kind of idea of taking the the visceral and the cognitive aspects of just of thinking and combining them a little bit. It's to kind of harmonize what your mind and your affections both are feeling and know is God's will and setting your mind and your heart together with an action, with an appropriate like concept of saying, I am going to do this. I, I believe in this. I know it to be true. My affection is there. And therefore, that is where I put my attention. That is where I put my affection. I set, I seek, I place my heart, my desire on things above. And then Paul uses this word. It's really interesting. Christ, or this phrase, Christ is life, which I love. I was like, no, ball is life. Like, I, I feel like I hear everything else. Tofino is life. Fall, leaves are, is life. Like, on it, right? Like, we have all these funny hashtags of this is, blank is life, because it means so much to us. Whatever, I don't know what it is for you. Like, drums are life. Right? I don't know. Bass is life. Josh was slapping the bass tonight. Like, we have these different... You know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like I'm an idiot. Don't give me that look. You know what I'm saying? Like, this game is life, or oh my, whatever, coffee is life. Like, we have all the things that we feel are life. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. No. Christ doesn't bow to your life. You don't have, like, as a Christian, he's saying, it's not that you have life and then you choose when it feels right to bring Jesus and integrate him into those aspects. He's saying, listen, we sang a song tonight. Christ is your firm foundation. Christ is life. And your journey in life and adventure that you're going to have, all of that starts with Jesus. And everything is seen through that lens. It's not the opposite. We don't have this life that we get to just choose to live, and then once in a while, you know what, with that, I'm going to choose to see it through the lens of the gospel. This social issue, though, that I don't know if I agree with this, so I'm going to do this. This thing in my life, this money piece, no, I'm going to hold on to that. And we just kind of pick and choose and compartmentalize where Christ feels good and where he, you don't want him to speak into. And Paul's saying that is not what this, that's not what this is about. You have been raised to life because of the grace of Jesus Christ. He has paid it all for you. You have said, I surrender everything. Because why? He surrendered himself. Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, place your mind and heart on things above. And this is why I think sometimes cultural and social, like the cultural moment doesn't meld well for us. It kind of feels like we feel detached and uncertain we often struggle with what to say or how to say or what to post or when to post. Because as a Christian, you're, we're trying to filter life through this lens that's so different. The world would say, no, you get to choose, you get to have your say, and everything else, including your faith, is added to it. And we say, no, 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 that's not what happens here. For us, it is Christ first. Everything starts with Jesus. Life is not a lens by which I just integrate Christ into. Christ is the lens by which all life is integrated into. It's different. And so since we've been raised with Christ, we know the joy that we have to be saved. We pursue, we seek things above. But how does that actually look? How do we make ourselves different so we can be actually a difference maker? 
Colossians 3 verse 5 says this, if we keep reading, put to death, therefore Paul writes. Aren't you glad you came to church on Thanksgiving evening? Put to death, he says. Whenever the word, it's, this is an intense, you got to read it with a little bit of like intensity. Put to death. No, I'm sorry, I won't read that. I just do that with Bo at night when we read the Bible. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is all idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its, of, in the image of its creator. There is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Put to death, put to death this Greek word, necro, which is that word we get like for necromancer. If you've seen the Hobbit films, like this corpse-like, lifeless, without life to deprive something of life. Or more figuratively, this word comes off as to sever, to cut off. We are called, as followers of Jesus, to cut off the things we used to do. To take off the life we once lived. To stop looking and living the way we used to. And to put on the new self to live this new way. And Paul, again, this is the family meeting, right? Rules time. He's saying, listen. Knowing God, finding freedom, knowing your purpose, all that is great. And before we get out there and start doing stuff, I want to remind you the daily task of what? Putting, putting things that we know will not help us or aid us, will not grow our faith, put them to death. And it feels intense because truthfully it is. Sin is real. And it comes up, and we, we heard a great message last week, so I don't need to go, go or, yeah, from Andy last week, I don't need to go into it about how our spirit, it, that is intact with the Lord when we come into salvation, but our flesh keeps fighting these battles, for sure. And sin is real. It's not this, it's not this thing that just, you know, we don't just get a holiness free card all day long when we come to know Jesus. There's a real struggle daily, for sure. I recently remembered this movie. Have you guys seen this movie, 127 Hours? You know, maybe I'm talking about the climber Aaron where he would like, he was going through, I think it's the Grand Canyon and he falls kind of in this, I don't know what it's called, but very narrow spot and he's got boulder wall and he falls in this rock. It's like boulder wall, rock, his arm, boulder wall. Have you seen this movie? You know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah, it's like, he spends like 127 hours in this moment. He's like a well-seasoned like climber and, and hiker and adventurer and he films parts of it and so this movie's been remade. And, and at the first kind of few moments, he, he's, I think, stunned and shocked. He begins to think about what to do, and he starts to try and move the, the rock. Obviously, the first thing he try to do is see if he'll budge. He starts to, like, chip away at this rock, hoping it'll go, like, just, I don't know, get enough so his arm can get free. He's trying all these things. He's, like, moving things. He's trying, like, pulleys. He's using ropes. He's doing everything he possibly can to move the rock. And I think we do the same thing with sin, we're like, I'll just chip away at it. I don't, it's okay if it happens once in a while, but not all the time. I'm just going to ignore it. I'll figure it out a different way. I'll just scream for help. Maybe someone will come rescue me and they'll take care of it. We chip away at it. Until finally in the movie, I don't know if you, you can kind of get where I'm going with this. He just, well, I don't want to say because it's, no, I'm, he chops his arm off. Like he, he takes like a, 
Gerber and just cuts his arm off because he recognizes the arm is dead. It's gone. And the only way to walk out of this situation is to literally sever it, leave it, put it behind him and move forward into the life ahead of him. And it's this imagery I couldn't get out of my head. I actually tried to watch it last night for sermon prep, but I couldn't do it. It just, I was like, I can't watch it. I just watched the scene where it happened and I was like, yep, turning that off. Like, I can't do it. And we kind of feel the same way even about sin. We don't want to talk about it. We kind of put it aside. We don't bring our friends into the situation. We don't open it up to the Lord. We just, I'll just deal with it later. It's fine. And we're just stuck living this old life. We're wearing the things that we're not supposed to wear Paul talks about this in Romans 7, the things he wants to do, he doesn't, and the things he does want to do, he struggles to do. Friends, there's no way that Jesus would walk in any of the sins that Paul just mentions, and so if we identify with Christ, it's our duty, it's our call, it's our, his hope that we would run to the grace of Jesus daily and not also walk in these sins. But to live a life where we're being daily made different, where we're empowered by the grace of Christ to look and live differently because as a Christian it's not just what we do that identifies us it's what we don't do I think this is very true this is one of those statements I know may sound sort of like religious or oppressive almost or restrictive I'm not sure what you would use it almost sounds like behavioral kind of grace work-based salvation and to many of us it feels like whoa 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 I thought God doesn't want to hold me back what do you mean this is stuff I don't, are there things I don't do? I thought all life is for me and it's good. And friends, whoever has told you that has not told you the whole gospel. The denial of self is very much a, both a Christian attitude and a Christian practice. Matt, like Jesus literally says to his disciples in Matthew 16, he says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Again, big statements, not enough time to go into the weeds of it. I'm sorry for that. But he, keep, he, he keeps saying, for whoever desires to save his or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his or her life for my sake will find it. He's saying it's your turn to lay your life down. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And you want to see adventure. You want to see actual real life. You, wanna, you want to identify with me. This is what it takes. I love the question he actually poses at the end. I don't want to not, I don't want to stop there. He continues to say this to his disciples. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Man, that question will haunt you if you think about it truly. I'm not trying to sound super dark and gloomy in this moment. I'm just saying, really consider what he's saying here. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? This is the Solomon syndrome that I've talked to you guys about. Solomon the king had so much wisdom. He had... 1,300 wives and a house for all of them. He, he threw a party for six months just because he could. And what does his book say? What does he write? Meaningless. Vanity. Emptiness. So Jesus poses this question. What profit is it to any of us to have all the things of this world but to lose your soul? And same here, Paul is saying, listen, it's not just what we do, but it's also what we don't do. And so we have to put to death daily. And how do we do that? We run to the Holy Spirit. We make Christ our foundation. We ask for the grace. There are new mercies every morning, the Bible says. And so that's what we cling to, and that's what we run to. And I think, again, sometimes there's this piece of like, but I, I'm saved. And so grace for all, yeah, 
You have the grace of Jesus, absolutely. But that grace is actually empowering you to what? Run to the Holy Spirit, to receive grace for the next day, to keep moving forward. In fact, many Anglican and Catholic commentators, they both would agree that the greatest gift God could ever give is what? His grace. And how do we receive that? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. And so spirit and grace are often these synonymous words. Synonymous words. These two things that, that coincide with each other specifically in Paul's writings. So we know, friends, that this is a gift and we need to run to it and yearn for it and hope for it every single day. This is what it means to be made different. And this is how we actually begin to make a difference. Not just by doing shoeboxes, although they're very good and I really want to beat the 11. So please. <laughs> I actually do, like in a big way. Like I want to crush their souls. No, I'm just kidding. I, I want us to do that because I think there's a real powerful benefit to that. I think there are, I know there are real kids who need that. But I also want you to take up the responsibility to look and be made different daily. The difference starts here. The difference starts here. I don't want to skip over verse 11, and I am almost done, but I think it's important. He says this, there is no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave or free. Christ is all, is in all. There's an important correlation here, and that's that Despite our upbringings, despite your family background and what mom and dad do in your life and the, the, the place you grew up, the language you spoke, there is a common thread that we all get to have underneath the grace of Jesus Christ. That just, I may not know you and I may not know where you're from, but, but we get to be brothers and sisters in the family of God because of what he has done. And I think that's powerful. What Paul is saying is there's the new, the work of the new creation, it deals with the old man, if you will, and gives us the new man patterned after Jesus Christ. And it breaks down the barriers that separate us in society. And I love that. I love that. It makes something special happen between all of us. He finally finishes with this in verses 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. This is a great verse. I'm sure many of you have heard this section of verses, maybe at a wedding or something. I love the mirroring concepts here. Rid yourselves in the first section and now clothe yourselves. Put on love, put to death. Like there's this really, there's this mirroring concept and I hope you're seeing it. And Paul's using language quite literally that you would use to put on a robe or a tunic of some sort. This is clothing language, if you will. You choose what you wear. What you don't wear. You choose what goes on, what comes off. That's what he's describing here. Saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, you make the decision every day on what you wear and what you don't wear. On what you choose to put on, what to rid yourself, to clothe yourself. You get to make that decision. And I think for some of us, we struggle with the idea that I could make a difference somewhere because we're paralyzed in fear, feeling like I can't, I can't lead with compassion because I, I do have anger in my heart. I can't lead with humility because I got pride in my heart. I'm still frustrated and angry at this person who did this thing to me, and why should I forgive them? And so we struggle, and for many of us, again, we're paralyzed in this, 
this place. And God is trying to, he's asking us to quite literally just to, to put to death, to put to death, excuse me, to tear off, to rid yourselves of those things because they'll not only harm you, but they'll harm others. It'll harm your ability to make a difference if you won't submit and honor the Lord and say, Lord, make me different right here and now. And for some of us, we're so, we're so unaware, we just think we're doing great. We just think we're doing just fine and yet we feel heavy burdened. We struggle, our heart is heavy. We come into church, we have the love of Jesus. I'm gonna try something tonight, roll with me, okay? This is a pretty normal Lucas outfit, isn't it? Black pants and shoes Andy gave me because I don't like shoes and he loves shoes. I don't know, I just wear whatever. We have love in our heart. We have the transformation of Jesus Christ. We have been moved and saved by him and what he has done. We have this beautiful love and we want to share it. We want to talk about it. But we struggle. We, and we put on things. You guys have seen this coat before. You know this thing. It's fiery. We put on things. We think, that's oh, fine. It's not a big deal. Go Bengals. Okay. And we come in. What? What's the big deal? I look ridiculous. That's the big deal. You can say it. I had a lady in the 9 a.m. be like, you look great. I'm like, that's not the illustration. You're not getting it. No, it clashes, okay? Come on, figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I, I know this looks ridiculous, but we walk in feeling like, it's not a big deal. I'm doing just fine. And we have this love from the Lord, and yet we put on anger every morning. Listen, some of you are so angry that the idea of forgiveness honestly triggers you. And I don't mean to be rude in that. I'm saying like it puts you in an uncomfortable, awkward moment with your soul. And the idea of forgiveness, this scripture that said, forgive as the Lord forgives you, is hard to swallow because you're so angry with how you've been treated. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's okay, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying the Lord calls us to put off anger, but we don't want to. Sometimes it's like, we're just, it's just better to live with it. And I'll just walk into places angry, rageful, with malice in my heart, ready to just like not help anyone, cut them from their legs behind them, whatever it is, to get ahead, to do my thing. And we just walk around and, people, and we, this becomes normal for us. Imagine I wore this every single time I preached. That would be a little bit silly, but you get used to it. Why? Because we just find a way to fit it in. And we're filled with anger and God's saying like, put it, take it off. Clothe yourselves with love. But we're just like, no, it's fine. One, while I'm at it, just add, add to it. I put a hat on this morning and someone gasped in the 9 a.m. The preacher with a hat on. Now how do I look? Oh, that, that, now this clashes. Okay, thank you. The guy in all black. Very funny. <laughs> like, this doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Aubrey's literally closing her eyes right now. She's like, take it off. That's not a good look. Here's the thing. We got anger in our heart, but I have to love Jesus. I'm so filled with lust. I can't have an honest relationship with anyone. Can I actually be honest for a moment? These two things are a very bad combination. We want so badly to have an honest friendship relationship, yet our heart is so filled with lust. Our time is so filled with pornography. It's feeding into our anger. It continues to make us frustrated. We want to love people. We want to love God, 
but instead of being made different every single day, we somehow succumb and just feel like, this is my life, I'll just wear it, I'll just figure it out. And God is saying, it's not a good look, you need to put to death, rid yourselves. Don't, don't put this on, but clothe yourselves with things that actually will fill you. We need to get rid of lust, we need to take some humility, we need to clothe ourselves with that. I ran out of clothing, I don't, this is all I had. I could have clothed myself with other things. But you get, the, you get the imagery, you see what I'm trying to say is we gotta take this stuff off, you guys. We gotta put it to death. We gotta stop wearing anger and lust. We gotta kick it, we gotta get rid of it, we gotta push this aside, throw it in the garbage, do what you will with it, but be made daily different by the grace and the let the Holy Spirit come and renew you and fill you because we need humility, we need love, we need compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience. These are the things we are called to put on daily, to be made different daily so that we can truly make a difference because it starts right here. And if we're wearing anger and rage and malice and bitterness, friends, we can't make a difference, let alone feel good in our own heart. And so I'm not trying to, I'm trying to piggyback off of what Pastor Andy said last week because we're trying to live with hope, but we're putting on anger. We're trying to live with peace, but we're putting on bitterness. We're trying to walk in wisdom, but we fill our minds with lust. And I want to make a difference, and I know you do too. I really do. And so my call to us tonight, and I'm preaching to myself, you guys, is not to fill or put on any of the things described in the first section of this, these verses, but to read verse 12 daily and to say, Lord, fill me, make me new today. Let me strive to be that person you're calling me to be, which is filled with compassion and kindness. Lord, give me the grace I need to save I love you and I forgive you, the person who, who doesn't deserve it. You know why? Because that's what he did for us on the cross. He's calling us to live in a way that he has already lived out for you and me. He's not asking you to, to do something he didn't do first. He finishes with these final few thoughts. And I know it's a wrestle. I know this is a struggle. I get it. I'm not saying you have to wait till you're perfect to serve because friends, then we'll never serve. Paul finishes with the last few thoughts, and I think it's really powerful before he gets into chapter four. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as, mem since as members of one body you were called to peace. And listen, and be thankful. It's a great word for Thanksgiving Sunday, isn't it? You know, gratitude really is, I think, the gateway to joy. I can't stand people who like, choose joy. Uh, I don't, how? How do you do that when you're in like the worst situation of your, of your life? I, this morning I was, I was coming in to preach, I was running behind and I see someone in our church who I love dearly and they were walking straight out, they didn't even wave at me and I chased after them in the parking lot, are you okay? And I just can't be in a place on Thanksgiving Sunday when everything is falling apart, she said. This is going wrong and 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 she's crying and she's getting in her car, she wants to leave and I... I just said to her, choose joy. No, I didn't, because I'd be, you know what I'm saying? It'd be so horrible. There's a really, really awesome guy in our church. His name's Alistair Stern, and he's, he's an author, and he's writing a book right now on joy. And he says, you can tell everyone today that it is scientifically proven that it is gratitude that is the gateway to joy. It is thankfulness. It is being able to stop and breathe and be aware and look around that even in the hardest spots of life, you may not have joy, but there are things you can still be grateful for. 
This week as a staff, last week as a staff, I even did this as an exercise. I was like, I want you to go to someone right now and say one thing you're thankful for. And then we did it again and again. And we could have kept going. And if you were to take a moment, if I was to ask you to open your phone right now and write down just one thing you're grateful for, you could find it. It doesn't mean it would change your circumstances, but it opens the place. It opens your heart to actually find peace and joy. And he writes, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, I'm sure you've seen this verse before in like a grad pen or something. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father through him. Worship team, you can join me. There's something in this last section that I really love. And as we were walking through our series in Acts, I love how Paul describes, well, so many things. And there was this piece I was recognizing. It was almost this like steps that he was taking, I think, to, to recognize his situation. Paul, no matter his situation, always remained grateful. He always found time for gratitude. And here we have these steps. And I would call these the steps put to putting things to death like he's called us to in this spot. It starts with gratitude. Gratitude. And I think primarily, you guys, for the gospel. It says, you're called to peace and be thankful. Therefore, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Gratitude is the key, this open door. But for what? For How about for Jesus? How about for how he saved you? When was the last time you sat for a few minutes and just said, Lord, I thank you for you, not for my family or my health or my job. I thank you for the cross. We do that. That's what communion is partially about. We try and take this, this cup, this juice, this bread, and say, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Gratitude. I think of the gospel. And then I begin to worship. Even in my own life, I know, and I see this in Paul's life, I'm just, worship gets my mind off of me and it puts me towards him. It helps me to actually take off anger. It helps me to actually get rid of frustration and bitterness. It actually brings peace into my soul. And I think that's why Paul says this. He says, listen, admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Through prophetic words. He could have said that. Through teaching. No, he actually says through psalms and hymns, songs, from the Spirit, singing to God. Friend, there's no Greek there that's different. It's singing. It's proclaiming. It's singing out loud. It's raising your voice. Listen, I would love it in this next song if you were to sing, to truly, with a grateful heart, give God the praise he so deserves. Or we can keep walking with anger. Like, it, this is the choice we make. Gratitude for the gospel. Singing to Jesus. These are the steps he's given us to help us put to death. And then he even says, whatever you do, whether word or deed. He's saying, in your work, you can find gratitude. In your everyday like grind, you can find something to be thankful for. You can find me. You can find the grace of Jesus. You can find the Holy Spirit. And then again, he ends with what? Thankfulness. Giving thanks to the God through the Father, through him. We have a choice. We can keep wearing this and feeling really heavy, feeling really doubtful, struggling to make the next step, struggling to feel like we can make a difference, or we say, no, I choose to put on love. I choose to put on humility. I choose to worship. I choose to sing. I choose to say loudly, Lord, thank you 
before the cross and we put to death the things that Christ has said. Don't hold on to those. And we clothe ourselves with his love and grace and gratitude is a great step for that. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, stand to your feet like you mean it. Let's position our hearts for a moment. Listen, I know there's lots of things we can get to. Some of you are signed up for Friendsgiving, all those pieces. But before we do that, can we sing? Can we pause? Can we reflect? Can we say, Jesus, I need you daily. And I run to you right now. I need your love. I need your hope. I need your grace. Fill me anew today. Fill me for this right now. Fill me for this moment right here. So would you close your eyes across this room? Don't look to left or right. And I'm sure you got something you want to get to, but this matters. This is where you set the tone. This is where you draw a line in the sand. Lord, I want to put to death the anger and the malice and the rage. Lord, give me the strength to forgive the person you know that I am unwilling to forgive. I can't actually do it on my own strength. I need you, Jesus. Lord, tonight, God, we pray as people stand and they begin to posture their hearts. I pray right now you give them one thing that you are asking them to put to death. And by your grace and by your spirit, by the power, Lord, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. Would we see you, Holy Spirit, working in us to put to death the things you've called us to put to death. Lord, make us new today. God, cleanse us new today. Make us different so that we can make a difference. Holy Spirit, we don't want to take another step before we sing, sing to you, praise to you. You are good. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We're not just simply in a circle saying what we're grateful for. We're saying we're thankful for you, Lord, and all that you have done. So that is our prayer. It's in Jesus' name. Would you just begin to say under your own breath, would you be bold enough to say, Lord, thank you for the gospel. Lord, thank you for the cross. Would you say that? You don't have to say it loud, but say it with a sincere heart and say it verbally so that you are actually practicing what we're seeing here tonight. God, thank you. I have a grateful heart that you have saved me, that you chose me. Lord, I need you today. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Come on, a little bit more. Practice gratitude even now in this moment. And then let's sing with boldness, with joy, grace upon grace, praise upon praise. That is our heart, Lord. That is our posture. We thank you, Lord. Come on, give thanks to God tonight. It's Thanksgiving. If you can't do it here, when can you? Like, Lord, we thank you for you. We thank you for the cross. Lord, do a work in us. For the person in here who really is struggling with anger, has outbursts, has dreams even that are really wild because there is just a, an unrelenting pressure and frustration. Jesus, I pray you'd release it right now in Jesus' name that now more than ever, they'd feel the peace of Christ ruling in their heart. They'd feel the love of Jesus overwhelming their soul. They would not hold on to any anger. And listen, Lord, I know that for many people, things have been afflicted upon them. This isn't something they have chosen. I pray that people in this room would rise above and really choose to put to death those things, that anger, Lord. And I pray that you would give them a humility and a forgiveness that surpasses even what they thought they could do. Lord, I do pray for the person in here who's deeply struggling with lust, pornography, who just feels like they even feel unlovable because of what they have done or seen. Or Jesus, we know that is not true. We know that we are not defined by our mistakes, but we are defined by you, Jesus Christ. We already sang about it tonight, Lord. We are who you say we are. And we read tonight, Lord, that we are dearly 
loved children, holy, chosen people of you. So Lord, I pray right now that there would be a turning from lustful desire and a turning towards Jesus, a love for you, a love for themselves, a greater awareness of what they really need in a relationship. Jesus, I pray you'd bring grace and strength and determination and perseverance to follow you in everything that they do. Lord, I pray if that's someone in this room that they would just open their heart and they'd put those things to death, they'd share, Lord, with you what they need to share and that you'd run and wash over them with grace and mercy tonight. We love you, Lord. We sing to you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Let's sing together. Come on.